Uh, hey, everybody, it's David Coleman. Welcome back to the podcast, Bridging the Gap. I have this big old grin on my face because when I get to introduce tonight's guest and friend and one of the most talented human beings on the planet, we'll be off to the races. And for those of you who might be the first time you've turned into Bridging the Gap, I created this podcast. And if you look behind me, you'll see the words uh, belief and hope and purpose and truth and love. Bridging the Gap was designed to help people find something that might be missing in their life. Maybe there's a person, place, thing, a situation that would help them uh, have, have more hope in their life or find their sense of purpose. Maybe they're looking for a relationship or a close relationship with God. They're looking for the truth in a matter. And so what I try to do is have compelling topics and pretty remarkable guests. I've been very lucky in that regard. And tonight's guest is a friend of mine who is, uh, I don't normally do this. I don't normally read introductions, but I'm going to skim a little bit here because I just don't want to miss anything because I don't want to hear his voice tell me I missed anything. So uh, Buzz Sutherland is, uh, he's a guy, and this is true, who's sincerely and seriously committed to entertaining audiences with humor that's 100% clean and 200% funny. How you've kept yourself clean all these years, I'm not sure. Here's some things that are cool. He's been uh, named Comedian of the Year, a record 16 times in the college market, was named Comedian of the Year by National Association for Campus Activities. He was named the Overall Entertainer of the Year Award by NACA the last year they gave out those awards. Uh, he's done uh, many, spoken for many, many, many top corporations, cruise ships. He's been on HBO, MTV. You had your own special on country music television, CMT, did some voice and uh, voiceover and hosting work for Disney. And like me, Buzz, like, like me, you take tremendous pride in entertaining and speaking to our troops all over the world. I've always loved you for that. Uh, I, feel like I'm, uh, I feel like I'm interviewing my brother tonight, but folks, please, wherever you're at, put them together and help me welcome uh, Buzz Sutherland. Buzz, welcome to Bridging the Gap. Wow. Um, for, you got to follow that now. I, and I can. I've followed you for years, but I... <laughs> I uh, have held a grudge against you and um, thought how I would I ever get past what I feel about you from what our legacy is. And you just fixed it. All that stuff is true. And you're right. I am that great. And so you just bridged the gap. I love you again, brother. So there's no more animosity. There's no more. No more. No, no more, more middle of the night. Quotient that you have to come back. You're not going to get 40 pizzas in the middle of the night again. <laughs> All, all the all the what were they black flamingos in my yard on my 50th birthday i think those might have been from you or somebody else but uh, i had a feeling you were behind that and uh, buzz what we're going to talk about tonight I, I wanted to talk about this i want to talk about it for a long time and you i think are the perfect person and i've named tonight's podcast when did laughter become the enemy and it's basically about putting laughter back in our days back in our hearts back in our minds you know, sometimes you see things that are supposed to be funny and somebody will get labeled horribly uh, offensive names for even saying a certain type of joke or humor. And, you know, you've heard people like uh, Chris Rock and Jerry Seinfeld and others have said, I'll never I'll never do another college campus. I'll never play another one. They've lost their sense of humor. There's no more humor left. And you're that guy because you will tell me the truth. You'll tell it like it is. You're still performing along with many other things you're doing. But that's what we're going to talk about today. When did humor become the enemy? Well, I disagree with you. I think, David, that, um, that what you just said is 
it's very obvious to me that when when people say that humor is the enemy, let's let's understand most importantly, you're a brand. Um, I take so much pride in representing uh, Bridging the Gap, uh, representing Dave uh, Coleman, uh, the Dating Doctor, Buzz Sutherland, Buzzworld, um, all of the things that I'm involved with. I take so much pride in that. I understand that artists have, whether you're, you know, Michelangelo all the way to Chappelle. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's we're uh, arts that are, that are very unique where you can make your own definition of what is, what's the difference between pornography and somebody else uh, making a clay shape? What's the difference between somebody doing a dirty joke and somebody, the difference is these artists are writing brilliant material that is so creative, yet it may be offensive to some people that there's also entertainers, okay? And if you're an entertainer, which I, that's, I'm an entertainer first. I'm an entertainer right. with NMC keynote, uh, multiple, you know, gala, uh, right. a show that we're doing a variety show on a ship to 344 shows and kill zones for our troops in the two-way range out there. And, um, and when you realize that you're representing that, there, there are parameters. I've had churches where I went to where you couldn't say, OMG, yeah, OMG, you can say, oh my gosh, but you can't say, uh, the other one, because you're taking the Lord's name in vain. And I have complete right. respect for the brand. And so what you're talking about is somebody who is going out there and I'm selling out. I am. Uh, my show is magic tricks and, and, but I represent the brand in the most positive way. And the biggest right. thing I think that helped me during the college career, 3,761 shows, according to the IRS, I would be the guy they book on Friday and they didn't have to worry about a Monday apologizing for everything that happened over mm -hmm. the weekend at the event. In fact, he and he said at the end, thank you for the student activity <laughs> committee. Let's give them a big round of applause. You can do yourself no bigger favor than to get involved with these people. Even right. if you just want to be a comedian, be the one that comes up and introduces me. Nobody wants to do the introduction. Be that person. See how it feels to be on the microphone. But there's a difference. There's a real big difference. And you know what? Agreed. You can give me all the time in the world to talk to you about why so many people have the right to say, I'm going to work this way. I'm going to work dirty. I'm going to be offensive. And, but there's a time and a place for everything. Let's just think exactly about that. Right. There's a time me, and a place for You and everything. I were talking, you're hundred percent right. There is. And uh, you and I were talking before we started the podcast of earlier today on all my platforms and all my social media platforms, <clears throat> excuse me. I uh, let people know that you were coming on today and that we were, we were taping today. And my phone blew up, my Facebook blew up. And I want to share a few. And this is why I, people were so excited. Uh, Brett Redwine, the son of Su uh, Bill and Suzette Redwine, who Suzette helped launch our career, both of us booked us multiple times, ran the conferences where we were able to showcase our talents. Uh, he said, nothing good can come from this. You two being together, nothing good can. Michael Flannery, <clears throat> your fan, uh, fellow comic, who yeah. was uh, about maybe eight to 10 episodes ago, Michael was a guest on Bridging the Gap. He said, uh, please tell him hello and ask him about his last performance at the San Francisco International Comedy Competition. He killed with style. We will come back to that. Heather Hall at University of Pitt, Johnstown, and several others said, I could not love this more. Comedian Michael Gerst sent his love. And you might be liked just a little. The number of texts, and I, we were talking about what that feels like for me, thanking me for having you on the guest, thanking me for having a podcast that had uh, the guts to talk about this topic today with someone as seasoned as you, but we've covered some ground, you and I, and I think right. it's time we share some of what we've covered with right. everyone who might listen. Well, tell me about the San Francisco International 
comedy competition where Michael Flannery saw you kill? Well, uh, well, all of that stuff, David, is so uh, it's humbling. And so I think that's the biggest thing that both of us have got through the experience of going through because we both hit the we both hit the scene really hard. And most people have their 15 minutes. Right. We had our 25 years where it's 93 shows in 86 days. And so it's very humbling to hear from all those people and then to look back on it and to 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 address what you're saying now is what's really, really hard for me is that when I get a call for a uh, a corporate gig that's a, a lot of money, say it's $10,000 in expenses or something like that. Right. And I tell them 95% of the happiness for me is done. I mean, just being in demand and still relevant, right. that makes me feel wonderful. You want to trust me with your brand in front of 15,000 people. And uh, more times than not, I don't go out anymore and do it any because uh, the, the, the show to me, I've been there, done that. I mean, uh, I feel the same way when, when I feel like I'm still relevant or people thank me for doing the podcast or they'll, they'll write or say, I can't believe what I got out of listening to that. Sherry, uh, Sherry Wynn, coach Sherry Wynn was my last guest. And I can't tell you the number. She's a Olympic Olympic athlete. And she's an, she is an incredible example of you get up one more time than you've been knocked down. Unbelievable. And so I, I completely agree, Buzz, that when we get those kudos from people going, thank you. And they say, please, I, I filled out two proposals today, sent them out for people who are looking to have me come in. When, when someone says you're still relevant and we want you, after the careers that we've been blessed to have, it's pretty special. I, I have a question for you I don't think you think is coming. And I don't know the answer because you and I have never talked about this. When was the first time you realized you were actually funny, pretty darn funny, and you weren't just funny to you, somebody else was laughing back and you're like, I, I could do this. Do you remember when that happened? Yes, I do. I remember the moment it happened. Uh, I was, uh, wow. I grew up in Alabama. I'm not bragging. I mean, we had a little money. Nothing to brag about. Georgia. Yeah. We had money, so we moved to Alabama. <laughs> and I was, uh, I was at a little, I think I was four years old and I was at school and, and we were all in our little desk and everything. And, um, I wet my pants. I had those, that's back when you had a saddle oxfords and white socks, and then you had on a little pair of yellow pants and a seersucker shirt or something like that. And um, I tried to convince the teacher that my desk was leaking. And the whole crowd, the whole crowd, it's, you know, it's four-year-olds, um, were laughing. And then for then on, uh, every time I got into a situation, I... Uh, I found myself using humor to disarm that situation. Right. And then finally, I um, didn't, I did, went up and did a show at a comedy club in St. Louis. And uh, I didn't have three minutes of material or anything. I just, uh, I just went up because everybody kept telling me I should go do this. So I went up there. And when I came off the stage, this woman comes up to me. I think this is 82, 83. She says, uh, or maybe before. She said, uh, we're doing a show in Los Angeles for charity. Would you like to be part of it? And I said, oh, yeah, I'm a comedian. That's what we do. We're in char you know, charity, anything we do to help out. Because I've been a comedian now for less than three minutes. And um, I fly out there and I go stay with uh, Jonathan Winters. No and, kidding. And there's Whoopi Goldberg and Robin Williams. And we sat around this big, huge maple table lacquer everywhere and a big bowl of mints and 
did improv for two days before this thing happened. And um, wow. turns out they weren't mints. <laughs> <laughs> imagine having that video off of a cell phone, that group of people in you. Can you imagine? Oh. It was unbelievable, but it was HBO's first comic relief, the HBO uh, comic relief for the homeless. And so at that table reading the, the first day, they said uh, at that time I was going by Jeff Sutherland. They said, Jeff, you'll go up and do an hour and then we'll bring on such and such. And, such. and I, when she said hour, I couldn't hear anymore. I was going, I don't have three minutes. This is going on HBO, which by that time I only had on Smokey and the Bandit and some other Burt Reynolds movie, I think Gator or something, but that was all right. HBO had. And so they put right. all this stuff on there. And uh, then she says, and then Jeff, you'll go back up and do another hour. Don't repeat any of the first material. And I go, oh, don't worry. I haven't seen either set yet myself. You try so, to convince her that your chair wasn't leaking at that moment. Uh, well, I, I think that that's when, that's when the bulb went off in my head that, um, that I, I could really, and you know what, David, I mean, still to this day, I love working a Sitco uh, gas station when everybody's paying or trying to get lottery tickets or whatever else. I, I love that. I love the rental car uh, desk. I love going to the airlines. How many times do you think in my life at the front desk of a hotel at an airline at a rental car place that I've gone in with a seat all the way at the back of the plane or a Hyundai or just a regular room 109 and after I go, I have a problem. <laughs> no, you didn't. Sharif, come here. Do it again. Hold up. Hold up. Do it again. <laughs> Everything changes. I mean, when you disarm, and that's what we're talking about, the divide. When you said that the other day, the divide in this country, it was it was a crack. It reminds me of uh, the lakes and Havishaw. I mean, the, the, the sea, the water is going down, 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 and the divide now is not just this screen and your screen right there. That line is, I mean, now it's so wide. It's a canal that's become a river that's now become uh, something where it's out of control. And somebody has to get control of all this. And you're hoping common sense will. And that the uh, definition in the, in the encyclopedia or on any of your search engines for woke is people that have gotten up and are alert. And I hope that the fact of the matter is that we confuse too many things these days by being um, not transparent enough, by saying things like, I'm going to reach out to them. Well, what does that mean? When you say you're going to reach out to Buzz and you have my phone number, my text, my messenger, Facebook, chat, uh, you Insta, everything, you have access to me. But what do you do? You call me because we live in a time when... Uh, we shared a phone or there was a cord or there. I mean, it was on a wall, Buzz. When we start our yeah, career, oh, we're probably still on walls. I'm a white trash from Alabama. My mama's cord reached all the way back to my room so she could spank me and stay on the phone with Shirley about why they won't let us drink while we're in line waiting <laughs> to pick up the kids. They won't let me have a beer while I'm waiting to pick up the kids. How fair is that? That's where I grew up. And so from going to that where you just call me, you don't go, hey, is it okay if I call you? Uh, but that's how you have to do these things this today. And that's, you know, people get angry about that or people get upset. Let that be the rules. Okay, that's what I'll do. So if I have to reach out to you by texting you, if I have to reach out to you with a, an email that just sits there or, uh, you know, those kind of things that, Mm -hmm. that we're just reaching out that's very 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 big broad there's a 50 million shades of gray in that but you know what you're actually talking about too and, and yes humor will help diffuse it but we're talking about some common courtesy and common decency and and i used a similar approach about three weeks ago i was flying and 
I made a stupid mistake in my flying and in the arrangements and things. And uh, I was in line and, you know, in the uh, sky, the sky row and finally got up there. And I looked at these two ladies and uh, I said, uh, are you willing to help a two and a half million miler who made a rookie mistake and is in a world of hurt? They looked at what they just shook their heads and what'd you do? What'd you do? This is a pretty, what'd you do? This one's pretty, this one's stupid. What'd they do? They went out of their way. They went out of their way to help me. Then they saw my bag tag on my, on my uh, over the shoulder bag, which says the dating doctor on They're like, what, what do you do? 20 minutes later, I'm fixing their relationship problems. They helped me get on my way. And it was one of the most enjoyable conversations back and forth because instead of begging or instead of saying anything negative either way, we began with common courtesy, common decency, and heartfelt, sweet communication back and forth. Right. That's, that's missing, Buzz. Do you, no, I, I disagree. It's still there. It's people are, are trying to bring too much attention to the uh, obnoxious minority rather than the silent majority. And the fact of the matter is, David, let me tell you, you remember when they used to, it was not 9-11, it shows in the 80s and 90s when the students would be right at the gate. You get off the plane right. and there's 26. They're right there waiting for you. They're right, right waiting for you. And, um, and but you know how many people that had posters all over campus that had all sorts of eight by tens and they had uh, CDs or, or cassettes or whatever they were selling and they believed the posters. They believed all the, the publicity Correct. and they wouldn't talk to the students in the, the van or the car. They couldn't, they had, couldn't be addressed or something. They couldn't. Uh, I immediately wanted to know everybody's major. I wanted to know the names and it's like going into a corporate thing. The first thing I do is go find the bartenders and waitresses. Tell me about who is in this room. And then I can approach it. If it's uh, a business casual, I wear business. I'm like you. If we're playing just a regular casual game of golf, I'm still going to wear slacks and a, and, a, and a button down. And then if we're playing uh, for money and it's me and you against people, you know I'm going to dress the part. And then if we're going out there in my backyard and playing my three holes, we'll be lucky to have bathing suits on. But there's a time and a place for everything. And I think that right now people are missing out on all the stuff has been there all the time. We've just never had the ability to give it so much uh, rec uh, rec I mean, accolades to people that are doing things that are absolutely uh, embarrassing. And so but I want to thank you for something. You just brought back a memory that I didn't know I'd ever remember, but because it's, it's those times are gone. I had a show at St. John's University and uh, they did it. They were kind enough to do it earlier in the day in New York City, <clears throat> knowing that I had a show on the West Coast that night. So I was doing a show for them, getting over to LaGuardia and going from LaGuardia to L.A. to do a show, probably eight, nine o'clock L.A. time. You've done it before. We've all done it who do this. And I remember my, my room was packed. People loved it. And I said, folks, I've got to be done. I was taking questions. I said, folks, I've got to be done. I've got to get to the airport. They go, what time does your flight leave? I told them, they go, we'll take you. And so a group of students uh, got into a cab and some others followed, some others followed. Some others. I, get to the, I get to the airport way before 9-11. There's 30 students from St. John's at my gate sitting off on a floor part with me, continuing the program because they didn't want it to come to an end. Uh, right. They're hugging me. Thank you for the help. I'm hugging you. Thank you for the validation. We'll probably never see those days again in that manner because they've been replaced with different types of validation. Right. And there's people that sat on the end of a rail on top of New York City eating a sandwich and we'll never see those days again. 
it's probably a good thing. It's just, just things are going to evolve and change. And that doesn't mean you can't have that same feeling of fulfillment. And I, I mean, I, when you were telling us that, I know what it's like. It doesn't matter if you're in seat 3A, and that's what we get, seat 3A. So you're by the window, first class, looking out the window with a, uh, you know, a glass of cranberry juice while everybody else is piling on the plane and you're flying to Sacramento to get a car to go to Chico State because you're there at 930 for the freshman orientation. And but you're just staring out the window going, am I cheating? I'm the ones winning here. They realize there's a check involved, right? An enormous check. And um, these people go so far out of their way. It's And when you do the military shows and I have the swag, you know, the DVDs and T-shirts and all that kind of stuff. And after the show, you do two hours, and after the show, they stand in line, all 8,000 of them, to come up and shake your hand. They don't want the free CDD or the DVD. That's just extra stuff for they them to carry around. You. And thank but you. they want to shake my hand and say, thank you for two hours. I didn't think about my spouse or my bills or getting shot or uh, this idiot that I'm working with, or I didn't, you know, thank you for giving me my that mind a break. And that's the thing that uh, flying did for me. I heard you talking the other day with somebody about flying, and uh, what's really, really funny... You know how many miles I have after 126 countries in all 50 states? 30.1 million miles. Mm -hmm. And so 30 million miles on American gets me gold level for life. I was with Braniff, Eastern, Ozark, TWA, and then it became American. So I fly and have 30 million miles with them. Uh, I am now with uh, engaged to a beautiful woman, Devin, and I, but my practice wife, uh, flew and got the, all the benefits from those 30 million miles. And then uh, now the Devon, she flies with her job. She works in healthcare and she has 431,000 miles and she's platinum elite. And so she gets on first and gets me upgraded. And here I am. Did she though, say he's with me and lets you walk on with her? Right. She's in first group four yeah, and I'm in group, I'm in group four. She's in group one. She goes on before the pilot goes on. Because she's her company has for two years been spending the money to uh, buy the tickets for her to go. And same thing we get in the hotel. I go, let's just stay at the Motel 6. I don't know. We're going to the W. The W what? No, it's <laughs> the W. It's got doesn't have any more letters. It's the W. Let's tell us about Devin. Tell let's just this leads me into my next question. It's wonderful how you segue for me, but you've been a comedian. You transformed to a speaker, which I know all too well. You are now a farmer who was out cutting several cords of wood today in the heat of South Carolina today. You are engaged to be married to a gorgeous creature, I'm predicting about half your age, who seems to be incredibly, there you guys are up there, it's pictures everywhere, the montage behind you. Uh, how does it feel to have made that progression? And how'd you do it? And it could be, and here's oh, I you didn't do it. Um, you, you, you referenced earlier, uh, a higher power. I don't know if we were on the, the podcast yet or not, but you're talking about, you know, how things happen. They come together. Um, it's a great story. I was working at the time on, uh, I think it's 2014. I was working in Holland, America. Uh, I'd been bought out, but I started on cruise ships coming back from the shows in the Persian Gulf, then Iraq and the, in the Mediterranean. So, I would usually be on an aircraft carrier, but coming home, I could just be 16 days on the ship and only have to do four shows, two on one Friday night. And then um, these other ones on another night uh, that was later in the thing where they take uh, passengers off and Americans would get in on Civitavecchia and then other, we'd go transatlantic. Anyway, I'd hang out downstairs in the Filipino 
uh, cafeteria because I love learning the Filipino language. They were also the people that were in the rafters running my show. So I could say stuff in Filipino when they could run in the, my dressing room. And they go get the three of diamonds and bring it back out. And all of a sudden, other magicians are going, how in the hell is he doing this? Well, I'm just telling the Filipino exactly where to go and what to get and bring it back to me. And um, I keep hearing on Sunday, Monday about this really hot girl on the ship. And the average age on Hollywood America is dead. I mean, it's old people and their parents. <laughs> and so I'm just listening to them, but they keep telling me about this Pocahontas and that she's so beautiful and beautiful, blah, blah, blah. So finally, by Tuesday, I've got to go see. And um, and that's my show night. And so I go to the back deck at early in the morning, swimsuit, got my room key card, my 50% off drinks. And before noon, I had over a $1,000 tab and have met her parents and have her brother sitting at the table and know she's coming from somewhere, but she's not there yet. But all the back uh, pool is all surrounded. She comes walking down like Bo Derek on uh, Chariots of Fire and, you know, in 10. She comes walking down real slow down these stairs. And I didn't pay any attention to her. I'm buying everybody drinks. and But she's just breathtaking. I mean, look in those pictures. You can see... Uh, Oh, she's ugly in some of those pictures compared to the real life Devin. And then uh, just like a pencil, it's not what's on the outside. It's what's on the inside that does everything. And she exemplifies that in every way, shape or form. But then I said, I want you guys to come to my show tonight. And so then she came to my show. I even had her up as a volunteer that she didn't know she was going to be part of. And we got to talking. We go back to my room first night, meet her the same day, go to the show, go back to my room knock dead gorgeous pumps the whole nice dress everything comes in my room lays down on the bed kicks her pumps off puts her hands behind her head and I go over to lady she goes what are you doing and I go well, what are you doing she goes I you're interesting I want to listen to more of what all that you've been talking about for the last eight hours and so I so I sit down in a chair like I am right now and start talking to her and next thing you know it's light outside the next thing you know we're hanging out going to breakfast whatever the next night um, I had been gone a long time. And so by this time from 2008, when I was in Vegas to 2013, 2014, I was done. And, uh, we were about two days from getting off the ship or her getting off the ship. My contract still had a month left on it, but she, uh, came to my room one night and asked me, she goes, what I want to ask you about, um, that on the wall there on my cabinet, I had a pill bottle, this one filled with, uh, a thing I call the last supper because at the end of my contract, I was going to take that. That was going to be the end of it because I thought I've been there, done it. I've been everything you could do. And uh, for me, there was no bridging any gap. I had already burnt bridges everywhere. You know, I, I, the reason that I am not you in went the through a hard pain, time, but you went through a, yeah, it was very, very, it was very, very, very stressful. And uh, it was very, very hurting to be so alone. And so that's why when you're in a, on the other side of the globe and you don't know, um, what more you could do to make things better when you've done so much. And so I was done. And if so Paul Jones, let me interrupt you. Sorry. If Paul Jones, the, the originator of this station, why right. we're on each other today, you know, he's a touring comic. He right. would be saying uh, the number of nights he slept under his bed, the number of nights he slept in the closet, the number of nights he slept in the tub. Uh, how, you know, when he's on stage, fine. When he's off stage, the rest of life and the rest of the world comes crashing in. Right. And um, and it crashes hard and it hurts. And when you're alone, then in you um, 
you're kind of, you think differently than other people. And then you think a lot in your own head and then you start arguing with yourselves. And then you get to the point where you go, you know what, I'm just going to be done with this. And she, uh, when I tell her that gets up, goes over, grabs it, goes to the bathroom, opens up the bottle, pours it in the commode, flushes it, comes back out and puts it on the, the shelf. And I said, what, what did, what, what did you do that for? And she said, uh, cause you don't need that anymore. And uh, I said, this has taken me over three and a half years to collect all of these different pills that are going to be night, night time for Buzzworld. And, uh, and then she was telling me she had to get off the shipping. She was going to Charlotte and moving to Columbia. And I said, you know, it just so happens I'm going to be in Charlotte on when you're talking about being there. Uh, I have a car there. And I didn't. I just got off the ship and followed uh, what I knew in my heart. I And the first from the very first time I met her until today, um, I know her core and I can see right. That's what we get paid to do. Read an audience. And then when you get that time afterwards, when they're taking you and sitting at the gate with you to go to the next show, they they want that time with you. And they think they're the ones that are getting all this extra time with you. You're getting that time with them. And I wanted every moment that I had left in the world. And then all of a sudden, I'm asking her to marry me within four days. I'm going, I, you know, we, I want to marry you. You're the best thing I've got. You're everything right with the What's world. What's she saying within four days? Oh, uh, well, it went, I went another three months before I even kissed her. I mean, um, she, uh, she has never taken me seriously. And I'll tell you a cute little story. She's never taken me seriously over the probably, no lie, 5,000 times I've asked her to marry me. And and she's never allowed any of the 400 times I've tried to break up. And so uh, you can tell I've come a long way since the practice wife. I don't know who wears the pants in this relationship. Of those tell- 400 attempted breakups, how many did you say you, you deserve better than me? It wasn't her fault. You oh, took- no, it had nothing to do with her. It was me going, you know what? Um, I was talking to other parents at the bus stop today and you are too young for me i i need you need somebody who's got your kind of energy your kind of enthusiasm and it turns out i'm younger than her i've got more energy i've got more uh i'm sillier she's the one has to tell me no we're about to go in chick-fil-a you're going to tell them what you want you're not going to ask for a prize you're not going to ask for you're uh, you're not going to do it in duck voice yeah we're not going to do any of those shenanigans and so um you know what? And this this comes full circle because I didn't realize any of my relationships that I was not doing what uh, you talk about. And and that is I remember as in Vincennes, Indiana, home of Red Skelton. I was just there. I was there about a month or two ago. And I was watching you because I was on the next day. So I got in a day early, watched you um, with my arms crossed, trying to criticize anything. And it was then I started listening and then I absorbed all of it. And then I started thinking about it for days after that. But the first time I ever experienced it was with Devin is when when people find somebody and you want a relationship. And this is really a big thing in my life right now, manipulation and persuasion. And this is the difference in our in our divide. This is where we're bridges got to be coming from, is that you don't find somebody and change them into the person that you need, the person that you want. Okay, they already have the money or they already look like this or they already, and now I'm going to make them do this, this, and this. No, the way that it works, the only way that this whole thing, relationships in any way, shape, or form are going to work, especially when it's uh, a, a partners, a man and a woman, a man and a uh, and a man, a man. Partners, just keep going. Partners. But you have to have 
the ability to be the person they need. So I, I every day try to be who she needs me to be to be the best partner I can for her. Well, as you know, and, my question, who does she need you to be? And I want you to do this called thorough brevity. I want you to go through the bullets of who she needs you to be. Okay. So during her work, she needs me to be her girlfriend, her best girlfriend. We live out in the, our, our zip code is E-I-E-I-O. And so we live out in the middle of corn everywhere. I mean, we're, there's nobody here but us. And every once in a while, the five rocked it guy because five doesn't them to come out just it. And so um, I have to be her girlfriend. I have to be uh, her boyfriend. I have to be uh, somebody with experience in business, the rat race, somebody who's a stranger that she can just bounce an idea off or um, I have to be that that person that we're talking about experience. And you know, the best part, David, this was what you're, I, this is what I think is missing. Not the whole thing that about those days are gone, but the mentality of what she has and what they had was, I want to know, I want to know. And they, she listens to me. If I tell her, this is what you should do. You know, if this is the, uh, this is what you, you know, if you're going to do this, then let them, anybody who mentions the number first and, 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 you know, any kind of uh, negotiation, that person's lost. And so how much money are you working with? Taking it all in. Everything right. Is- and so she listens to all of it and she doesn't just take 1% of it and throw another 99% out. She quotes it. She has me proofread stuff for her. She makes, I, I listen to her so much that I can probably in the company she works for, I can name in different offices all over the United States, who works there, what their position is, uh, know what their responsibilities are and what they mean to her and who she has to report to. So where she goes to. So I have to be that for her. She needs somebody to vent. And when it's, her day's done and she's also got Hawaii. So those days start at noon and go till uh, nine or 10 at night. So she's got a flexible schedule. She needs somebody who's going to be able to work all hours, whatever the hours change. I, I just you. saw you fly to Singapore somewhere. And so it was, you were uh, 18 hours in the air, three hours on the ground, then 16 hours in the air, four hours on the ground, then two hours in the air. And then you had a six hour drive, but that's what we do. And so your bodies are made up for that. Your body is absolutely amazing. The most incredible thing in the galaxy is your brain. And so let me give you two good secrets here. If you want to uh, get off any kind of medication for anxiety and depression and that kind of stuff. Sure. Put some water, splash it on your face. Because what happens is your body is already knowingly anticipating that you're diving into a pool of cold water or an ocean or a river or something like that. So it relaxes the whole body. That's what happens when you dive into a, bo- a body of water, your body relaxes. And so if you put that, the same thing is if you take your shoes off. Now I've told you this before. If you take your shoes off, you're signaling to your body, we're done working for the day. And you, when I texted you the other day, I texted you, Buzz, right. it's been a long day. I, I, they're almost, they're all, they're not coming off yet. Right. They're awfully close to coming off. Well, you're I, like I am. If you take to that sh- ever since the day we talked, my shoes stay on until my work day is over. Well, then you need to get yourself a good pair of house shoes because you're going to have some ideas that come up at night that need to tend to. <laughs> Buzz, I, w- I want uh, three, three bullets, maybe. I want you to be thorough brevity here. Right. How have you and... No long diatribes on this. I want you to the point. Okay. How have you changed since meeting Devin? How is this buzz different than buzz with practice wife and different than the buzz that's done 5,000? You realize between the two of us, we've done 10,000 shows easily. Oh, yeah. How how are you? Who's buzz now because Devin entered your life? Uh, I'm Jeffrey Parks. Jeffrey Parks Sutherland is my real name. And so uh, buzz is my job and it never was. It was, a I identified as buzz and, um, with her, in fact, my children, grown children 
uh, have visited us and stayed with us. And whenever I leave the room, they go, is he always like that? <laughs> Who is he? Is that? And even my brothers and my mom, everybody has noticed a change in the type A. Uh, if somebody has to go through the door first, let it be me. If somebody's got to hurt, let I'll hurt. Somebody's got to pull the cart, I'll pull it. But if you are able, you got to get out and pull it your time too. To a guy who is uh, extremely humbled. I mean, when I got the invitation to be on here, to when I got the uh, Jimmy Durante Award, uh, when all these things that keep happening, keep reinforcing the fact that I was uh, one of those people that believed all the posters and all of the different magazines with the, uh, hey, you just won Entertainer of the Year again, 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 again. Right. Um, I, that doesn't matter. But what matters is when you can go into um, a gas station and see somebody who's trying to get stuff together just to get a head of lettuce and a pack of bologna, they're still 63 cents short. Then um, I'm I'm very very happy to be the person that goes hey you know what let's get some turkey meat and some bread to go with this and some Mott's apple juice and um, I I remember so many times and it was so cliche I mean you had it happen to you so many times and you still now are on the other side of the wall like I am where people always said to me just do it for somebody else help them so many times really huge people from uh, Tom Petty was the best that told me. Hey man, just do the same thing for somebody else. Um, that wasn't brevity at all, was it? I'm sorry. It's okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna switch gears, Buzz. Uh, I want to talk about special memories, and I'm gonna share one with you that I guarantee you don't remember. And if you do, you're lying. But uh, you and I were showcase. I can't tell you what conference. It was a big one though, because the theater. I, I'm thinking it might have been Grand Rapids. It might have been at the Amway Scamway Grand Plaza Hotel. It might have been there. You and I were on the same showcase set, and we we got to the place a couple hours early for our, they always did sound checks three hours early, four right. hours. Early. And so, uh, because I was after, or excuse me, because I was before you on the showcase set, I was after you to do a sound check. So you're the next to last person to do the sound check. I'm the only other person. So there's the people running the thing, and there's me sitting out in a three thousand seat theater. You're up on stage doing your sound check. All of a sudden, they start playing some Caribbean hard beat. This thing's going on. I'm looking at my phone. I'm not looking up. I look up. You have stripped down. You've taken off your shirt. You've taken off your shoes. You've taken off your socks. You've taken off your pants. You are down to your boxers with your Buzz Sutherland got a duck on it t-shirt dancing and gyrating. And I have not yet, but now that we're back in communication, you will get the invoice for the counseling that I had to take <laughs> for several months after watching that happen. That's a memory I'll never forget. I think we both got up and killed it. We both got great, great uh, booking. Well, I know I did. And so here's my question, Buzz. Are there a couple, are there a couple memories over, you know, you've got the college market, you did cruise ships, you've got corporate, you did like me and I'm still doing God bless America, the military. Are there a couple memories that jump out? There's a couple hundred. There's a couple thousand. I mean, uh, have you one in each quarter? C's. Let's go comedy club, charities, cruises, colleges, corporations. Um, my corporate let, me, let me modify. Are there a couple where you know that person walked away 
a different human being or you did because of what they came up and talked to you about? Oh, most definitely. Uh, Tiffany Schmidt at Akron. I mean, she was just a, a little girl when she went to, when I met her and she picked me up at the, the Cleveland airport and told me I needed to be wearing uh, a different cologne than I was wearing. And the, <laughs> did, uh, I mean, just little things like that all the way. I was to, her first college show earlier that year. I was the oh, first. Right? Tom, Tom Fessel gave her me because he knew that no matter what happened, right. it would be there for her. But yeah, those, uh, um, I had, uh, I had an attache that was named Andrew that was with me. Every time I went to Okinawa, I went to serve with the troops. I would go to Okinawa and then this young man would, was with me and he was always, uh, by my side everywhere we went. I was dressed like him, talk like him, walk like him because you can't stand out in any way, shape or form. In fact, I got sent home one time for putting a Georgia bulldog patch on my uh, shoulder because then I stood out differently to the the opposition and the no no difference no colors no way and so we uh we went i'd always go out back i would smoke the on those tours just to have something to do before the shows there's a, a canvas tent and eight thousand troops in there and i'd go back out and have a square until they the co would come out and say sutherland you're on and andrew and i were out there one time and we were joking around and we had these world war one hats on the helmets that you had to wear when you went outside and so um so then uh uh we're out there and we're laughing he was just the cutest kid in the world and um uh, i looked over and his eyes rolled back in his head and he'd been shot and um at that moment i realized that i would never again charge a single dollar for working blue which is overseas and um did still did another 1700 shows for the military over there and still stay in touch with uh, a lot of people that I work with. In fact, uh, my partner with the DOD, the Secret Service, and I chatted today. And uh, it's uh, it's an amazing thing to have, you know, when we're talking about the bridge, when we're talking about comedy, and the laughter is the best medicine. And so many times, so many people had issues there. I mean, they were on islands in, in the military, but they needed somebody to confide in. And when you talk about what does Devin need from me, what did this soldier needed for me? What did a student, a college student, need for me? What did Boyd Jones? I mean, you you mentioned the Queen and King. Uh, I mean, uh, the Red Wines and you, Boyd Jones and all these different people for Fassel. That's the Mount Rushmore of of or what we were able to cut our, we, of our our occupation. And so when you say that, what do all of them have in common? They're incredible listeners. Has anybody ever looked at your mouth and listened and processed every word that came out more than Boyd Jones? No, nobody cared more about the artists that they were hosting or the event or the students that they were providing entertainment for. Nobody was invested in that as he was or as Tom was or as or I mean, the Red Wines. That's the place I could I could whatever check I was making, I'd make from Suzette. She'd hand it to me and I go sign it over to Bill because I got all the stuff out of the bookstore that said Moorhead stayed on it because there's my Christmas shopping was done. Well, you talk about memories, um, each person that you say, if you say Craig Cargis, if you say Michael C. Anthony, if you say David Coleman, um, there's so many special times when you uh, changed my life. Uh, help pick me up when I was at my very, very bottom and sign me to your roster. And then there's times in your life when you said, I need you to go above and beyond. And I said, David, just, um, I'm asleep. Just tell me when and where. Have gun, will travel. I love you. And 
And that's what's missing is that uh, we don't have that kind of, we take it for granted when we meet people that are of that kind of fabric, that these days that that there are people, and I can sit and watch people all night long on my phone, on YouTube, whatever, being filthy and laugh at them. And, and you need to know that you don't just be named Buzz, you work at it. And I worked very hard at it for a very long time, and it's very hard <laughs> to be uh, the Buzz I am now. And like I said, I'm Jeffrey Parks. But when I come to represent a brand or a college, the last thing I want anybody to have to do is what Purdue had to do last year when they had somebody come there and do the, the thing on stage as a comic. It's, yeah. There's no reason in the world that you have to. That just means you don't have the time. And I am blessed. that good at it. I am the, blessed to be Purdue's. It's about 12 or 15 years in a row now. I'm, they've, they, I used to be the opening speaker for Borla the Gold Rush. Ever since, that person, ever since that person went up and disrespected Purdue and caused 8,000 students to walk out. They've put yeah. me at the end because they yeah. know they can trust me to deliver. And well, see, that's, that's the thing I'm talking to you about. That's yeah. the bridge that we're talking about is that there can be people on this side and there can be people on this side there, but, but the, there needs to be a bridge so that we can get these people to get whatever they need and these people to get what they need. And that's where we're headed. We're headed for a world where artificial intelligence does everything. We are just born to enjoy this beautiful place and have everything done for us. We won't have jobs. We'll just have to be responsible and we have to be our brother's keeper. And when, so it's, it's one of those things that you and I both have shown frustration so many times over the decades with people get so jealous of what we're doing and get so angry that they have to start pick, 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 picking at what they do. They don't realize that every time that you did well, or every time that I did well, people realize comedy works on this campus or the dating doctor, who would have thought uh, you were working more than African-Americans in February because of Valentine's day. And I mean, to me, I thought that was, you know, how are you not in the Hall of Fame for everything that's out there, college or everything's out there, speaker, the and everything else. I mean, you, you know, it, it's integrity. It's being the person who goes somewhere and you hear somebody say something and you go, you know what? Ten years ago, Buzz would have done this, this and this. And I'm embarrassed about that. And I've said, I'm sorry. I've gone through all the steps. But Jeff now bites his lip and says, you know what? Uh I'm better than this. And uh, if I want to be everything that I really believe about myself, I know how that I have to represent Devin. And so- Jeffrey uh, Parks, let's do this. Uh, this part of this podcast was called, How Do We Put Humor Back in Our Days, in Our Lives, in Our Hearts? Right? For this, this is going to be heard on all the continents. There's going to be people everywhere watching this on YouTube listening to it on Spotify, Google, wherever they pick up their podcast, they're going to hear this. I'd like a little bit of a, a Jeffrey Parks Buzz Sutherland formula for anyone, anyone in any walk of life listening to this tonight who hasn't laughed in a while. That smile might be fake, but it's not been sincere. Uh, they've gotten into a rut they can't get out of. They don't have a Buzz or a David to call. Well, they do now because they can go to bootleggersmusicgroup.com and write either one of us. And I'm going to find out more information on you. But what can people do to put a little bit of music back in their life? Um, again, I, I hate to, to just act like this, to act like I talk about this all the time. I don't, but the truth of it is to me so simple. It's, a, it's an algorithm. And so uh, the, the biggest part of the algorithm, let's say the first variable is A, is, gonna, is honesty. And it's not just with other people, it's with yourself. And uh, 
I know I struggled with that for a long, long time. Uh, my ego took over and reality and um, integrity were thrown out the window. But if you start with with um, with being honest and then be the second part. Um, so plus honesty, plus a drive. I mean, you got to have something that, what do they say? If you do something you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Well, you're going to work even harder than you would have worked. Something that moves you. You got to find But it's going to still be work and you're going to work twice as hard as anybody else does, but you're going to be so happy by, if I have the better work that I have now is, uh, is really, I'm really proud of, I'm really proud of what it's got me to. So we, now we have honesty plus a work drive and then, I think that you have to be unique. I think that when you see me sign um, a buzz picture, if I sign something right here, one of my pictures, it says what on it? It says Jeff Buzz Sutherland, 143 Circle Square Triangle. And that's because when I used to write letters to my practice wife, because we didn't have cell phones and stuff like that, so you had to write, sure. sitting in a Little Rock Super 8, writing a letter that she'd get by the time you were in Texarkana. And so um, but I'd always sign it Jeff Buzz Southern 143 Circle Square Triangle because that's the number of letters 143 and I love you. A circle has one side, a square has four sides, and a triangle has three. Well, that makes this is what that does. So you've got honesty, a drive, and now people have to do what? Ask you. You are constantly approached. You're so approachable. What does that? What gives them the feeling of being safe around you? Well, because you are somebody that you can feel safe being around. In fact, you're going to take care of them. I am somebody who's not only empath, but I'm also very, very, very uh, aware in a Wendy Fox kind of way of everything that's going on around me. And I want every detail to make sure that the children are safe and that everybody is being kind and getting along. And so if you put all those things together and then you find the, the fact that people can come up to you and say, what does one, four, three circle square triangle do? What does that mean? You just wrote that on my playing card or whatever they've gotten from the show. Now I've got you in my house. Now I'm now I can take and I now I have now manipulated you right. to come talk to me. But it's a persuasion thing because you're going to benefit from all of my experiences and all the mistakes I've made. And there's so many cliches. You get up more one time you fall down right. and uh, laughter is the best medicine. I always say oxycodone and I'm, I'm right <laughs> on that. But but the fact of the matter is, if you can be somebody and look at all of the people who are really, really successful, they, I mean, in any, any one of the performing arts, they work, 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 work. And so when you talk about- uh, The harder they work, the luckier they get, right, Buzz? Right, yeah. I, I mean, you were talking Buzz, about- Let me thank you for something. Let me stop for a minute and thank you for something. Uh, whenever I'm working with one of my clients who wants to become a better speaker or they simply want help with their stage presence or- I do a program called Untangle Your Tongue and Wow the World with Your Words. So say I'm in front of a group of people. We'll talk about you want to get your audience to laugh, no matter who they are. And there's kind of three types. There's obligatory where people go, <laughs> I hate fake laughter. I just can't stand it. That's why comedy clubs are tough for me, because I know you. The second type of laughter is spontaneous. It kind of kicks in and you can tell. And number three is uncontrollable. I just want to thank you for the number of times I've seen audiences in uncontrollable fits of laughter, either spitting up, crying out, or gosh knows where else it's coming from, bodily fluids out of their body because they can't stop laughing. That's what I've watched you do. And, um, and who won? Who, who felt the best out of all that? You did. Right. You did. Buzz, uh, I'm going to ask me one or two more things, but how would people, they can obviously go to bootleggersmusicgroup.com. It's an honor to have you on today. How can people reach you? 
just Buzz Sutherland is my name. And if you go Buzz Sutherland, Google search it or whatever your search engine it is, or put www.buzzsutherland. It has my phone number on there. If you're if you're going through something really hard, reach out to me and talk to me. I have people send me mail every day that uh, that want me to uh, sign something and send it back. That uh, and that's why it has my signatures. That's unique because then uh, if you see something for sale on eBay, like uh, my hat, this is fun. Here's my hat. Who's your daddy hat? Remember these? I didn't have one. Same with my DVD. I didn't have one. I had to ask for one of those. And the guy that I was driving through uh, town I, on eBay, I contacted him and said, I want to buy a hat and I'll sign the other ones you have. And he goes, I don't even want you writing on them. And I said, I'm, I am Buzz. He goes, I don't care who you are. I don't want you writing on them. And this guy, he was just trying to sell hats. He got them at a convention somewhere. Or he gotten, you know, the t-shirts or uh, whatever. It's just, uh, I'm the one who wins all the time. And when I saw Devin, it goes back to what you asked me, brevity, bullet points. I'm going to go back to those. I'm going to go back to the fact that you, like you, you listen. And when I know that I'm talking to you, I know you're taking notes. And I also know you're going to give me a follow-up, uh, not reaching out. You're giving me a follow-up email, text, or uh, voicemail saying, this is what we just talked about. I know that when I'm talking to Devin, she's listening to me. She knows, she hears in my sentence, not that I need such and such and such, but it does whatever my answer to my problem is shows up because she hears and feels for me. But those students needed somebody who was not threatening as adult. I'm the oldest freshman on every campus. I'm 57 years old last week. And so uh, I still do colleges because I'm still their age. And that's what you have to do. The age is just a number. All these cliches are going to come back and hit you right in the face. But do the best thing you can. Go back to that formula. Be honest. And whatever that, wherever you fall in that, wherever you fall, then you have to, the next thing is work really hard and find a mentor, find somebody like yourself, David. Uh, how many mentors did we have? I didn't have one or two or three people. Like you're talking about one memory. And I came up with the worst one I had. I mean, the, the tragedy, because that's, I feel like I owe those people, those students, those colleges, those corporations, that the president of, of Sony introduced me reading a, 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 a teleprompter and said, this next fella is the epitome of, and I heard the president of Sony say epitome, and I went, I could be the president of Sony. I'm smart <laughs> enough to be the president of Sony. And so I have so many memories that are just like that, um, where they're just like, I could see a, a disaster coming in a corporation party mm -hmm. five minutes before it was going to happen, and I was already in my room calling Joey. Joey, we have a problem. What now, Buzz? <laughs> so it was, to me, it was uh, being very observant and, sure. and doing what you did. I learned from you. Listen, if you listen and listen to what they're saying, they're telling you a lot more than you're hearing. Because if you, hear, you. If that, you hear something. Stop right there for a second. We try to keep these to around an hour. I know we're coming up on that. Uh, I try to let my guests always do this. And I'll give you one shot at me. I'll answer it. And then we'll bring it to a close. I like to flip it. Is there anything you'd like to ask me? I've been firing questions at you for basically almost an hour. Anything you'd like to ask in return before we call it a day and let people start to write you? Um, yeah, I do have a question for you because um, you brought it up that you're in one of my sound checks and next to the Bob, we went to the Bob after the sound check, the big old building, as you'll remember, next to the Amway Center. and when we were sitting there, um, I was telling you 
when you were after that show, I mean, after that show, after that sound check, you were telling sure. me, I can't believe what I just witnessed. Uh, I, and you had a trio. You were like, that was back when we had those trio phones. And so you had a stylus in your hand and you're just, and I said to you, and I'll, I'll ask you again now, do you have any idea when somebody says, Buzz, you had your pants off, your shirt off, your socks off, your belt off, and you were swinging them around? Did that hardly narrows it down? I mean, how many times did we push the envelope? And it's still a very, very strict time, a woke society in the early 90s? Come on. But I you mean, know what's the most beautiful thing about that moment, that memory? And you just nailed it. That's exactly what you look like. There were only five people in the room. There was somebody in the booth doing sound and lights. There were two people on stage, one working the microphones and stuff, one doing lighting, et cetera. You and me. You didn't do it for anybody. You didn't do it for me. And when I looked down there, I saw someone who had put humor back in their heart, mind, body, and soul. You were purely happy. And if in that moment you were purely happy, that was good enough for me. Because as someone who travels the road and does a couple hundred shows a year, I know what the rest of the days are like. And so if for that moment or two, you were in blissful ignorance, why not? Why That's not? what I was saying is your body knows today. I, when I was getting ready for this, two things. I put on cologne. Be quick, because we got about two minutes. And got, I'll do less than that. But I put on cologne, and I put a belt on and pants and got ready as I would for a normal show, because that makes my body know this is serious. Okay? And so that goes back to what I was saying about the formula for what is it to be buzzed? What is sure. it to, you give yourself a chance to have success, to be lucky, the people that work the hardest. The second one is I only texted... Of all the stuff I got today, I only texted one person, and it was two words, and I texted you. What'd I say? I'm excited. I'm thrilled, David. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for coming on. Uh, folks, Jeffrey Parks, Buzz Sutherland, one of the finest entertainers on the planet, one of the nicest people. And the last thing I'll say before I sign off is this, Buzz. Some of the closest people in my life, my family, some of my close friends, my agents, I've noticed a bounce in my step the last two weeks, and it's because we've become close again, and I have that feeling back in my heart. What I hope I we did today that. was to help people transition that to them, and um, thank you for all the, those of you who are watching today. This has been David Coleman. It's been Bridging the Gap with Buzz Sutherland. We'll see you next week.